Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Twin Cities Church. It's a wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning here. It's the fall, and this kind of seasons are changing, and it's a it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. I'm glad you're with us this morning uh, to go through the Word. Join me here in a word of prayer here as we as we get started. Lord, we do love you and worship you. Lord, we are thankful for you. We're thankful for all that you have done. Lord, we're thankful for this moment and this day that you've given us. We're thankful that you have met our needs, that you continue to meet our needs, that you have given us grace sufficient for today. Lord, be with us. Uh, Lord, be with us this morning. We do ask that you show us your power and your glory. Lord, we ask that you will just captivate our hearts and our minds. Lord, we are, we are tired of being so easily enthralled by things that don't last and have no eternal value and meaning. Um, Lord, we want to we wanna focus on you. We want to be captivated by your love. We want to be drawn into that dependence and union with you. So, Lord, continue the work that you've started in us and in this world. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come to be more and more present in our lives and in our city. Uh, Lord, just, just be with us this morning and draw us into your presence and teach us the things that you want us to learn. Lord, in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're still within the middle here of this series on Matthew and on Mark, on the teachings of Jesus and and what it means to live in his kingdom and follow him. And, you know, so far, what Christ offers is he offers peace. He offers blessing. He offers hope. He offers love. He offers contentment. He offers joy, a, very, a, a life filled with joy, marked by joy and of peace. But the reality for many is that that is not our experience. Our experience is not one of peace. Our experience is not one of joy. Our experience is one of stress and anxiety and despair. You're just looking up some statistics this week. There are over 40 million Americans that have anxiety disorder in America, which is 18% of the population. So roughly close to 20% of the, the population of the U.S., can be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Not just feeling stressed out, not just having panic attacks, but literally diagnosable. One out of five. Anxiety is really the American experience in a lot of ways. And if you think about your own life, I think about my life, I think about the lives of those who I love, those in my house church, those around me. I mean, anxiety and depression, right, are just these incredibly common experiences. We are also the richest country in the world. We have the most things. We have the most earning. We produce the most. And we're also the most anxious and the most depressed. And those things seem to be connected. And, and Christ connects them for us. Because we have this great anxiety about having, what we have and what we don't have. If we'll have enough to last us through tomorrow or next month or next week or next year. And then once we have things, job, money, then it's, 
the fear of losing those things. And as, we, as you think about the greatest stresses in your life, right, the greatest stresses when it comes to marriage, career decisions, schooling, parenting, right, the, the, it's money, it, it's, it's jobs, it's the things that we have, right? I mean, this, this motivates us, and we, we think about these things constantly, and it's a great, great cause of stress in our life, right? What job should I have? How much money should I make? Do we make enough? Does this provide the right number of benefits? Does this not provide the right number of benefits? What do I need to have for retirement? What do I need to have for a vacation? What do I need to have before I start planning to have children? How much do I need to have put away before I start thinking about marriage? What do I need to have in place to pay off my student loans? Right? I mean, it, it really occupies so much of our thought. And Christ warns us, and he warns his disciples, and this is the passage today. Christ has offered us life. He's offered us abundant, fruitful, peaceful, loving, joyful life in him. That's the good news of the gospel. The king shows up in human history and says, right, I give you life. I'll give you joy. I give you myself. I will meet you wherever you are. If you have much, if you have little, I offer you hope. I offer you life. And he warns us that there are, there's pitfalls, though. There are hindrances. There are obstacles that will keep you away from experiencing the life that I have to give you. The first one we talked about last week was that need of a reputation. That will keep us away from experiencing that life. If we constantly feel the need to prove ourselves and defend ourselves and build a resume, it will keep us away from Christ. And the second are these, is this money treasures that we have will keep us from that life if you have a bible open it up to matthew chapter 6 if you don't have a bible the the verses will be up on the screen as well but in matthew 6 19 through 34 is the text today that we're going to look at very well-known famous words starting in verse 19 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in, your, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Such just beautiful words. Treasures, right? This is, it's about treasures. Jesus wants to point out to us this danger, the danger of treasures. And when we think about a treasure, right, what, what Christ is speaking of is he's speaking of really anything that we keep because we value it. This can be a lot of things. We value certain things, so we keep them. We hold them. It could be money. We put our money in a safe, which is such an interesting term for that. Just box. We call it safe because we value this. We have possessions, collections, certain things in our life right? that you would you would take with you if there was a fire, right? What would you grab? What do you keep? What do you hold on to? Treasures don't always have to be things as well, right? We treasure people. We value certain things. Experiences, we value, we treasure, we hold on to. We're eager for them. Uh, places, that's probably more for me. I, I really treasure certain places, certain experiences, and you hold them dear to you, right? You you treasure them. And to have treasure is not a sin. To have a treasure is to be human. Right? Think of your children, if you have children, or if yourself as a child, the treasures you hold on to. It's just natural to us. We just treasure things. We put things aside into a little collection. We put things on a shelf. We hold on to things that are very, very near and dear to us. Or we scrapbook things that are our treasures. Or We have treasures. Everyone has treasures. And it's even a sign of intimacy and friendship, right? When you actually reveal to someone your treasure, right? When you really know someone well enough, is, right, is a good indication is when you will show them your treasure. Here, let me show you these things. Let me show you this place. Let me show you what I love. Right? You trust that person when you show them your treasures. The warning that Christ is giving is not about having things, we all have things. It's about treasuring things. The danger is about hoarding things. Right? And we know this. We have TV shows about hoarding. And we recognize that it's not normal and this isn't good. But we all do it. And we hoard. We hold on to. We build little kingdoms of things. We try to keep our things safe. So we keep them away from those who we think won't appreciate our treasure or who will misuse our treasure or who will take my treasure. 
All right, we try to keep our treasures safe, whatever those are. If they're vacations or places or money or things, we try to keep it safe. And his first point that Christ wants to say, right, you can't keep it safe. Whatever you are treasuring is not safe. Moths will eat it. The elements will corrode it. People will take it. You can't keep your treasures safe, no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try. Whatever that is that you treasure the most, you can't hold it. You're going to lose it. It's very Ecclesiastes, very Solomon, right? You, you will die. Those things will pass. You can't keep it safe. The stark, stop, stark, yeah, sorry, stock market will crash. There will be an economic recession. There will be a storm. The something will ha- you cannot keep your treasure safe. Even if it's a child, a person, you can't keep them safe. You will treasure things, we treasure things, we hold things, but we can't. And this fear, or this realization, really, that Christ is just bringing to us, because he's not really telling us anything new. We know that. We know we can't keep our treasures. We know we can't keep them safe. And that fear really motivates us. We know that we can't keep treasure safe. We know that we may not have enough someday. And so we work. We work hard. We have a constant fear, right, that one day the treasure won't be there. Today I have it, but I may not have it tomorrow. I have money for today, but what if I don't have enough money tomorrow? I have enough for this month, but what about next month? What about next year? What if I lose these things? So we work, and we work to get, and then once we have, there's another fear, right? The fear of losing. And then the fear just of the meaninglessness, really, of of not having it. Because really, when we we come to grips with our things, and the, the work that we do, the work with our hands, what we're amassing, there is a dark hopelessness, right? When you really think about the things that we treasure, they will all pass away. Everything in my life will pass away. Everything that I work for ultimately will be of nothing. It's, a, it's dark. And that darkness, that bleakness of reality really darkens our eyes, it darkens our vision. This is what Christ is saying about this. If your eye is clear, your life is clear. If your eye is dark, your life is dark. I mean, this pursuit and this fear will just darken us. And we live a life of hopelessness and of work and of striving and trying to amass more and more treasures and trying to keep it safe because we know it's not safe. But I don't really want to come to grips with that reality. It's, it's almost it's too hard of a reality to even really believe there's you know philosophers recognize this you know there's this one uh, french philosopher i was reading recently who's a who's an atheist but he, he argues too that there are some realities that are just too stark to actually believe that like my life doesn't have meaning well he said right if i if i really don't believe in god then i do i, I have to believe that my life has no inherent value or meaning right i'm just an animal i'm just living i will pass away there'll be more but he's like when push comes right but i can't actually live that way it's too hard to believe and that my work means nothing it's too hard for me to believe 
that I can't hold on to my treasures. It's too hard to believe. So we work and we hold them and we try to keep them safe. It's just hard. And you can see the reason now Christ ties this to this anxiety. I work and I work and I hold on to the things that are very precious and dear to me and I'm afraid. Will I have enough? How do I keep this? How can I even be freed from this? Right? Just even thinking of those aspects. We, over the weekend, I was talking with some men about this. You know, that once you start making a certain amount of money, right? Well, now I have to make this amount of money or greater for the rest of my life. I can't go backwards. Right now, this has to be my new normal. I have to maintain. I can't switch careers. I mean, I'm, I'm done, right? Whatever, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in bondage to this job now because it pays so well. Or once I've gone down this path, I'm going into debt to be a doctor. Well, I better be a doctor at the end of it. I mean, there's no other alternative. I can't finish medical school and now become an artist. Like, I, I can't. This is, this is my path, right? Once I've taken out this loan, once I bought this house, once I bought this car, once I bought this boat, all right, this is it. And we feel that bondage to our things. We feel the bondage to our treasures that we have amassed and say, I have to go for these things. Because what other option, right, do we have but just put our heads down and to work hard and to try to earn enough? And here's where Jesus, right, he's better than Solomon, who doesn't just point out to us the futility of our life. But he offers us an alternative. He offers us a different way of living. He doesn't just confront us, but he offers us life. He offers us purpose. He offers us a work that does truly matter. He offers us a work that is not futile. He offers us a work that is safe, that is eternal, that will continue. Lay up treasures in heaven. He doesn't just tell us to stop hoarding our things, stop loving the things of this world, stop working so hard. He gives us something else to love, something else to work for, the kingdom. He says, instead of directing all of your actions towards your kingdom, which will pass, you can direct your love and your actions towards his kingdom, towards heaven towards your reliance on him and direct your love and your support for the people of God which is of eternal consequence this is what the whole New Testament argues this is what Paul argues and uh, Peter argues and the author of Hebrew argues for love the people of God invest in the household of faith but you have been adopted into this kingdom you have been brought from where you are into this eternal kingdom into this eternal family invest in it Love people. Give to something that is building, that is of eternal weight and significance. Why are you investing all of your heart and your love and your time and your energy into your world, which you can't keep safe anyway, which is just going to pass, when you could invest in something that will never end, into a kingdom in which all of the universe will be enveloped into and of which the smallest work you have done will have the greatest significance and power and impact because it is part of something 
so great. It's like, why don't you invest in that kingdom? Why don't you love people? Why don't you invest and direct your hope and your effort into the people of God? Right? You hear that and you say, yeah, you're right, Jesus. <laughs> I should. I should do that. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can kind of say we do or we don't, but it invites us to think about how we spend our time and how we spend our treasures. Right? And if you think about your time, how do I spend my time? If you even think about the last month, just think this last month, 30-some days, you know, in what ways in the last month have you served the family of God? This could be monetarily. This could be giving to people. This could not be monetarily. Giving of your energy, giving of your prayers, giving of yourself. How much do you give to the people of God, to the family? And now it is not wrong to spend time alone. It's not. It is not wrong to spend time with your family. It's not. Those are good things. That's what we should do. That's our primary callings. Spending time with ourselves, spending time with our loved ones, spending time with the Lord. But why do we do that? Why do you spend the time the way that you spend it? Do you spend time alone or do you spend time with your family so that you will be able to love others? So that you will give out of the resources, out of your spirit, out of the grace that you've been receiving, the love that you have? Or do you hoard your time? Right? Do you grab your time whenever you can get it? Because you don't know if you're going to get another chance to be alone. Right? Do you go to Netflix and watch a show because, oh, I just need to right now. I don't know when my next chance is going to be. Right? How do we spend our time? Do we hoard it? Are we selfish with it? Right? It's the same way we treat our, our treasure. We're treasuring. How you spend your time reveals what you treasure. Is it based out of fear and selfishness? Like, oh, I got to treasure. I got to guard this time. I need to guard my time. I need to guard my family time. I got to guard these things because I don't know if I'm going to have another chance at this. Or is it motivated out of gratitude and love? I've got time today. I'm going to use it to spend with my family. I've got time today. I'm going to use it in the Word. I have time today. I'm going to love others with that time. Because it reveals how you use your treasures too, right? If you think about those treasures, the things that you treasure, and it could be your family, it could be your money, it could be your things, it could be your cabin, it could be your vacations, right? It could be lots of things that we treasure. How do you use your treasure? In the last month, right, where is your money gone? What things have you shared with people? Do you share your treasures? And not necessarily in the way of just giving them away. Right, that's one way to read Christ's words. You're like, all right, fine, I'll have no treasure. I'll give it all away. That's not what he's talking about. He's not giving us law. He wants to point to us these pitfalls. You don't have to give your treasures to people, but do you share your treasure with people? Right, do you let people in to those treasured parts of your life? Do you show them to others? 
Do you share experiences with others? Do you bring in people into your life in a way that, right? I know this is my time. No, this is my family time. No, this is my time alone. Do you bring people in? Are you willing to share the treasures that Christ has given you with others? Will you let people share with you what you value? It's a level of intimacy. It's a level of love to share your treasure with somebody. Or do we hoard them? Do we approach our treasures out of fear? I need this. I might lose this. I got to have this. Right? Or do we approach our treasures out of gratitude and love? I have been given this. Who am I to hold on so tightly? I need to share this with others as well. If someone doesn't have what I have, I should invite them into this treasure. I should share this experience. We enjoy. Do you actually, because right, if you actually, if you're hoarding your things, you can't actually enjoy them, which many of you have probably gotten to this point with some of the things that you cherish and care for the most. You lose the ability to actually enjoy it. It becomes work. It becomes a burden. It becomes something to maintain and work at, right? Anyone with a cabin or a boat or cars, right? It's like you lose the thrill of enjoyment because now it's just something you have to do. It's something you have to hold on to. It's something you have to maintain. Or do you enjoy it? Do you hold it loosely? Do you share it? And the thing about Christ here, right, because we can hear this. He's very straightforward. It's very blunt. It's very clear. Don't stop investing in all of these things in your life that have no eternal value and significance and start investing in the kingdom. Start caring more about the kingdom. And we hear those words, it's like, I get it. Right? I get it. We can hear that. We can just go through that mental exercise we just did about thinking about your month. You can be like, Lawrence, I get it. I know I can spend more time with others. I get it. I know that. I know I can love other people more. I know that. I know that I'm loving my things more. That's not the hard part. It's not hard to be convicted by the words of Christ. It's not hard to be convicted by wisdom. It's hard to be motivated. Right? It's hard to be motivated towards that. What stops us from really believing that this is worth it? Right? What stops us from hoarding? How do you stop being anxious? Right? How do you stop this stress of work? Right? How do you get out of that is the problem. We know we want to be freed from it. We can hear the words of the gospel, the freedom Christ offers, and you say, yeah, I want that. I want to be freed from my bondage to all my treasures. I don't want to work and work and toil and toil. I don't want to hoard. I want to give freely. I want to live for others. I, I want that. How, Jesus? Right? How? What do you want me to do? And this is what people ask Jesus all the time, right? Do, what do I, just tell me what to do, Jesus, and I'll do it. And Jesus' words, right, stop us here. The reason that we don't invest in the kingdom more than our treasures is that we actually believe that God loves us less than he loves birds and flowers. Right? We do. It's, 
you can hear the humor in Jesus' voice here. Do you really think I love birds more than you? How many birds is your life worth? Is what he's asking us. How do you answer that? How do you quantify someone's life in birds? How many sparrows are you worth? Later, in like Luke, he'll be like crows. How many crows are you worth? Ugly birds, right? Like, how many birds? What are you worth? And he, it, the, the question is designed to just stop us and realize we're being ridiculous. We're being silly. Do you honestly think God's not going to meet your needs? Do you honestly believe that Jesus doesn't take care of you? Do you really think that he'll take care of the needs of animals? That he'll provide for those birds every single day? Right? They, they work hard. If you know anything about birds, you watch birds or animals, right? They work hard every day. They get up and they work. But they're not worried about tomorrow. They're worried about today. And they work. They've been given today to work in, and they work, and they work faithfully, and they get what they need, and the Lord provides for them. He's saying, do you really think I'm not going to, I'll provide every day for birds, and do you really think I won't provide every day for you? It's silly, but I believe that, right? I do, I believe that maybe he won't provide for me tomorrow, right? I can look back at my life and I can say he has provided for me every single day of my life, but boy, when I think about tomorrow, maybe that'll be the day he won't. And it's silly. What am I, why, why would I think this? Do you think he cares about you more than he cares about the flowers? There's these two fears that stop us from trusting Jesus. The fear of not having enough, right? That's the fear that he loves birds more than me. I won't have enough tomorrow. I won't have enough next month. I won't have enough next year. I won't have enough in 20 years. My kids won't have enough, right? We, we fear that we will not, it, it's just a simple disbelief that Christ will provide in the future the way he does now. We just don't believe it. So I'm going to work for it. And our second fear that he shows us in the flowers, right, is we have an innate, strong fear that we're not enough. I'm too ugly. I'm too worthless. I'm not beautiful enough for him to work for me. I need to clean myself up. I need to make myself pretty. I know he'll meet my daily needs, but fine. But I need to make myself beautiful. He'll never be beautiful enough. We try to clean up our lives. We try to make our lives look a certain way. We try to work hard to present a certain image. Right? Because you can believe that Jesus will meet your need, but then you still feel the need to puff yourself up, to make yourself look beautiful, to make yourself look righteous, to make yourself look smart, to make yourself look a certain way. He's saying, stop it. Flowers don't have to work for that. Neither do you. I love you more than I love the birds. I love you more than I love the flowers. Because when you look at Christ 
And we have to look at Christ. He gave enough for us so that our needs will always be met. Right? He left his eternal home. He left his throne. He left his security. You're talking about safety. He left safety. He left all of that. He left his treasures and died penniless. Couldn't even afford his own funeral. His only possessions divided up and given away. He died rejected and alone and penniless for us so that we could inherit his inheritance. What more could he do? How much more can we be impressed by what he's, he's given enough for us that I don't have to give enough, right? It's not about how much I give. It's not about how many treasures I give away, how much I share. Jesus has given it all for me. He's given more than enough for me. He's given more than enough to me. And Jesus is more than enough to make up for my ugliness. Jesus is the image of God. Perfection and humility, beauty and love. And I look at him and I get credited with that. How could I ever think that I'm not enough? That if the God of the universe would clothe me in his righteousness, would die for me, to put the robe upon me and say, this is my daughter, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Welcome to the feast. Welcome to the table. I'm enough. I'm valuable enough. I'm more than enough. This life is going to be hard. And Christ warns his disciples right after this too. Just because you have me doesn't mean your life will be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to have lots of money. It doesn't mean you're not going to lose your job. It doesn't mean you're not going to be anxious. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer with depression. It doesn't mean you're going to not have struggle. He's, he warns his disciples time and time again, this life is going to be a life of rejection and suffering and struggle for my namesake. Because to do this is hard, which you know. To love people, to give of yourself, and to give of your treasures is hard. And you will be rejected, and you will be taken advantage of, and you will be scoffed at, and you will lose treasure. Jesus says, but it'll be pure joy. Because all of these temporal things, all of these momentary treasures that you're holding so tightly are the very things that are keeping you from me and from an eternal treasure and from what I, hand, what I plan to give you. All of our work is not in vain when it's for the Lord. There is something of eternal value that we have. And having this view frees us from the bondage of work. It frees us from that bondage of things. It frees us from the bondage of our treasures. I now live a life of gratitude and joy. I see Jesus. I see his love for me, and I can't believe anymore, right, that he would love birds more than me because he died for me. He clearly loves me more. But even if I lose my job, I know it's because God doesn't, it's not because he doesn't love me. Even if I lose all the money in my bank account, I know it's not because Jesus isn't going to meet my needs or take care of me. Because I've seen that. And I know that he will meet me. I know that he will take care of me. I know that he will clothe me. This life will be hard and will be filled with challenges. But in Christ, there's freedom. There's hope. 
There's a lightness that comes from seeing Jesus and resting and trusting in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the work that you have done. We thank you, Lord, that you gave more than we could ever possibly give. And you gave so freely for us. That you have invited us into your family. That you have clothed us in righteousness. And you have made us co-heirs with you better than just adopted brothers and sisters. Lord, we confess to you our lack of belief and faith our struggles to truly trust you with our life, to trust you with our treasure, to trust you with our work. Lord, continue to confront us with the absurdity of what we believe, that you don't love us, that you will not take care of us. Lord, we know that you will. Put things in our life, put people in our life who will remind us of our value and our worth so that we will be freed from the bondage of needing to work, of needing to prove ourselves, of needing our treasure more than needing you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the work that you're doing. Lord, help us to be a part of that work. And Lord, help us change our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And Lord, help us to, to see clearly, not to see darkly but to see clearly what truly matters. In your name we pray.